Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com Hello and welcome to yet another amazing episode of the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. This is episode number 103, and I am your host, Seth Singleton. I'm actually joined today by the one and only, my amazing cohort in all things comics related. I'm talking about Mr. Brad Felicki. Brad, how you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing good. <laughs> Glad to hear. So it's just the two of us. We're holding it down. The others are off fighting evil in all sorts of nefarious ways. I'm not saying that some are in the underworld. I'm not saying that others are, you know, out there on a cosmic odyssey. What I am saying is if they're not here, we know they're doing important stuff. Love and miss you guys. Can't wait to have you back on because this is an amazing slate of topics. I can only imagine how everyone we know who's been on with us before would love to jump into this with us. As we'll remind you, we always cover movies, then we move into TV and streaming with some comics, and sometimes something that falls in the other category. And for us this time around, leading off the movie news, is another product character revelation. Brad, was it you and I who were doing this alone when we were talking about how this happened just recently with the Batman? And now it's happening with Zack Snyder's Justice yeah. League. <laughs> you know, right? That we've got the announcement. Yeah, the Mountain Dew. Darkseid looks like, thanks for the t-shirt. Yeah, it was Mountain Dew that told us what the Riddler looks like. Now we've got Darkseid revealed on a t-shirt. Uh, you know, what did you take about all of this? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I like the design. Um, I it, It's very um, uh, 21st century movie. It's kind of, it's, it's sleek, yet armored, so... I, yeah, I I, 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 uh, I I dig the design, and I like the shirt. I just wish it, from a flicky fashions perspective, I don't particularly like white t-shirts because it's just so hard to keep them looking good. Right? But God, it's, it's such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> if I get an option, man, it's always the black or navy blue or the darker colors. But um, but yeah, I, overall, um, it, it's a cool design, and... You know, I, I just hope that we get to see a lot of dark side, you know, in the finished product. So <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm just sort of stuck on a couple of things here. One, it's going to get a little bit interesting because the rain is starting to come down just a little bit now. So I'm getting like some mixed stuff with like, you know, you can hear like it hitting the rain gutters and different clanging noise. So I was like, huh, 
it's getting a little more atmospheric in here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as far as the T-shirt, yeah, dude, you, you totally nailed something for me with the uh, the white T-shirt. I've got a couple of great T-shirts that are white, and I almost never want to wear them. And then when I do wear them, they're just not the same ever again. It's like the one time in the washing machine somehow, like, makes them dingy, and it's done. Like, yeah. I don't care who you are. It's just done. So, um, but I, I do agree also with your uh, assessment that it's very 21st century sleek design. Like there seemed to be a period where it made sense to just put something like an adornment on somebody so that they had an adornment. But then as film has shown us, if it doesn't look functional in some way, if it doesn't move with them, it, it looks clunky and it looks, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of like unnecessary. So, yeah, I feel like the design here definitely as the, uh, you know, the article that shared this uh, and it was revealed, I guess, through a tweet or at least that's the reference point for the article. Um, you know, it follows in the design we've already seen for characters like Steppenwolf and Desaad. And then it has that sort of like textured layered thing with the armor all being like, uh, almost like a chain link or medieval kind of modern modernization, you know, is that they took those concepts and then figured out how to modernize. But overall, I mean, I like the approach. I like that we get to see more. Um, He definitely looks like a warrior. Definitely looks like somebody I would probably, you know, not stand up well against on a battlefield. So glad that it's not me. (laughs) Uh, but I'm also, you know, keeping in mind that that's not our only Zack Snyder uh, movie information for us this time around. Zack Snyder's Justice League will be released, as it has been previously said, as a four-hour um, project that was supposed to be a four-hour, four-part miniseries, and now is actually going to be a four-hour movie. Uh Brad, does it matter to you how we get the four hours or just that we get the four hours? What's your take? Uh, It doesn't matter to me because regardless, I'm not going to sit and watch for four hours without taking a break. You know, um, it's how I I I watched um, uh, The Irishman uh, in one day, but broke up like (laughs) three parts. And that's probably going to be the same way. And I'm okay doing it that way. Um, you know, I, I, I'm assuming maybe this decision was just, you know, like a, a pacing issue or a flow issue with the film and they didn't want to have to break it up to make it feel it, it might it might be too abrupt to try to break it up to those four parts. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm good either way because I am going to definitely watch the whole thing. But no matter what, I'm not going to watch the whole thing in one sitting. So uh, I'm good either way. Uh, what about you? Yeah, it didn't make the biggest difference to me. Um, I'm one of those people who was happy to watch Wonder Woman from home. I, I think it would have been great to see in the theater, but my whole reason for going to a theater is to have the experience with usually my wife, who decided to watch it with my mother-in-law a couple of days before I flew home. And I was like, well, you ruined that concept for me. Like, if I was going to want to go to the theater, you know, there's no point. You've seen it. You don't want to shell out the money. And for me, it was great because I could pause it when I use the bathroom and other stuff like that, which is totally what I see myself doing with this. Um, so also, I, I really think you brought up a great point, which is if you're going to make it into four miniseries, it's, it's like or four episodes of a longer thing. You kind of got to find those breaks. You know, that's one of the things you notice about well-scripted television. It understands where the break is coming and how to set up tension right before the break. And then mm-hmm. and then the commercials, which we understand more than other generations, maybe, uh, <laughs> would like mm-hmm. leave you wondering. And then it comes back and then you're back into it. 
So building those into it, it, it would probably be an added um, problem. So yeah, for me overall, the four hours doesn't make a difference. This seems like a really smart way to go. I just realized because of you, I haven't watched The Irishman. Um, so maybe that's something I should get down into because <laughs> I heard all the talk about it. And then it's one of those movies where it got so hyped, I had to check out. Like, I'm like, no, I'm I'm not ready to watch it yet. Too many people are like, ah, watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, man, um, I just really quick for anybody listening and me included. Is it is it worth it? Irishman. Uh, yeah, it is. But I. I wouldn't recommend sitting and watching it all in one sitting. <laughs> like we just talked about. It. No, I, I, I think that it's completely fine. And I think because, I, you know, and I think that and this may happen with Justice League as well, is that, you know, you, that runtime is intimidating. Yeah. You look at that runtime and now I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that don't like to break up their movie going, you know, their movie watching at all. So they think, OK, I'm going to have to have a whole block of like three and a half, four hours to sit and watch this thing. So a lot of times that slips through the cracks because there just isn't that much time in a day that you can give to, to one movie. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully that won't turn too many people away. I mean, I think, you know, eventually (laughs) a lot of people, you know, most people did end up in some way watching Irishman. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, but I, I do think that there's enough hype around this that, that, um, people will, you know, the, you know they'll they'll work through that four hours i'm gonna find a way to watch irishman i'll get there i just realized that it, somehow i totally forgot about it until you mentioned it i was like hey i need that but i'm also one of those people who when you know like uh endgame came out in the theaters and i knew how long it was going to be i was looking for that review that was like hey you're gonna need a bathroom break this is when you take it so you know i'm i'm that guy too when it comes to this it's not going to matter for me because i'm going to pause when i need to take a break I don't know if anyone else is going to want to watch it with me or even watch it uh, the same way I will. You know, my wife was into Wonder Woman. I don't know how much she'll be into watching a movie she's already seen before. And I don't know how much she liked the first one. So, you know, there's those trade-offs. But, yeah, for me, I feel like overall, especially because so much of what I do now is streaming, that uh, I'm really comfortable just pausing, picking up when I'm ready. Um, I'm actually rewatching Wonder Woman 1984 today. I stopped it about an hour in. I'm going to finish it later because it goes off HBO Max at the end of tonight. And I was like, hey, I want to get one more watch, but I don't mind breaking it up. It doesn't ruin the experience for me. So, yeah, right. I'm curious if you're out there listening and you think this is something that makes a difference for you. Brad and I would love to hear about it because we're on the side saying it doesn't make a difference. You think it does? We we want to hear why. Right, Brad? I'm not. Yep. On that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I agree. <laughs> Now, uh, you know, keeping in with uh, the whole, like, for some reason, it feels like the Snyder cut and the Ayer cut and things like that just sort of get folded in the same conversation. It is a clip from David Ayer's that, okay, I don't even know if I can call this a clip. It feels like a TikTok or something like that. Like, it's just so quick and short that I was like, can we really count this? Um, Brad, can you describe it and maybe explain what your experience was? And I'll I'll try and follow it right now. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's very quick very brief just joker with uh something happened on the happening on the side of his face with uh with who knows what's going on there but he just says you should be ashamed of yourself and that's it with a hashtag by on the tweet hashtag released the air cut so hmm. uh you know i i will say though reading this article uh it kind of made me 
or, or this is actually in the next story that we're talking about made me curious about the air cut because uh you know it looks like there was more to the air cut than i realized there is a lot left so you know between this story and the next story we'll talk about that a little bit but uh i'm, I'm wondering if this little clip being released is a way to kind of uh tease that they're going to announce that the air cut's going to exist or push to get you know to get more people talking about it and to get the higher ups at warner brothers to to release it so we'll see but i you know probably it's the latter that they're just trying to get people you know to talk about releasing it because i don't think they're going to make a decision until they see what the reaction is to the snyder cut so so we'll see how about you that makes a lot of sense i totally agree i really think that uh you know there's a lot to be considered for what the impact will end up being when it comes to fan response to the snyder cut there's been so much hype Right. There's been so much expectation and there's so much coming uh, out of it. You know, there's all these different ways that we're reconsidering uh, Zack Snyder's works, uh, the stories being told up to Justice League, other elements. And then, there, of course, there's this connection with the Iron Cut, which is the fact that so much of the confusion in the storyline for uh, Suicide Squad is like just what the hell is going on in the subway at the very end? Why are people being turned into these molten monsters? What's, you know, and you realize through uh, some notes and stories that we've had a chance to talk about that there was actually supposed to be something alluding to apocalypse, mother box technology, apocalyptic technology, right? You know, there was this whole connection that was going to be threaded into Suicide Squad that would have made it seem like more of this shared universe in connection with Justice League. So if you're going to take the time to bring back Justice League, why not consider looking at what the filmmaker's original intention was with all those connections through Apocalypse and the New Gods, especially if you're going to have Ava DuVernay and Tom King creating a New God storyline in the future that we're looking forward to experiencing on cinema. It, it seems like this would be a really smart momentum push. You know, like there wasn't as much interest a couple of years back, but now we're on the verge of Snyder Cut being released. It seems like a good marketing strategy and reminds me of sort of that almost persistent push that was so identifiable with the Snyder cut. You know, it was just this over and over again, another leaked image, another concept that was never actually included that makes fans sort of rabid. I'm curious to hear what the fan response is, you know, to this little suggestion and if it's part of a, a slow momentum build, right? Yeah. And, you know, like you were saying, if, if there's this whole part with dark side connection and, mother boxes then you know with with kind of bringing back that dc cinematic universe that we had getting more you know more focus on that that would make sense to bring out an air cut with more connection to the whole overall uh you know the, the that dc cinematic universe that was created because if if the Snyder Cut is successful, people are going to want more of that world. And it seems like an air cut would be a perfect way to give that to them. Well, and it sounds like the fans might have some marquee names to help push that along. Because as you alluded to, our next story uh, is talking about the fact that Suicide Squad star Joel Kinnaman is pushing for the air cut. And is doing so also because of more of Jared Leto's Joker. 
who is actually part of the clip <laughs> short uh, little repeating thing that we were just talking about that uh, was being used to push this idea of there is an Ayers cut and it should be seen by people. So now you've got Kinnaman out there and he's on this playlist podcast saying, you know, well, Brad, actually, I'll let you take this part. Kinnaman's talking. What did you think about what he had to say? Yeah, well, I, I'm that, that did make me, and that's exactly what made me so curious about the air cut is him saying that there was a whole third act that we didn't get to see and there was a lot more of the Joker that we didn't get to see. And I know that that, um, you know, Jared Leto's Joker, you know, took a lot of slack online from fans. And, you know, they didn't really like it. But my opinion of it was that he didn't really have a chance to prove himself. He wasn't given a lot to work with in the movie that we that we got. And I think that if you're going to talk weak points of the Suicide Squad that we saw, Joker wasn't the biggest one. So I, I, I'm intrigued about seeing more of Jared Leto's Joker in this through, you know, to, in, in ways that Ayer had wanted to show him. And since we are going to see him in the Snyder cut, then it, then it, again, that makes more sense that we should get the air cut. So, you know, I, you know, after reading this, I, I, I kind of do want to see the air cut. What about you? Definitely do. You know, I, I felt like so much of Leto's character was shortchanged. And because of that, without this third act, we had no idea what all that, that was leading up to it was meant for and intended. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been so cool to see another take on his character in the third act of the film and, and actually see more of the nuance. Because one of the things about the Joker is he could be 15 different things from the snap of the fingers to the ticking of the seconds. You know what I mean? Like, his ability to unlock the different maniacal parts of himself, from the control to the over-the-top and then the entire spectrum in between, that it would have been interesting to see like a cold calculating, you know, sort of pause and go, you do know that every once in a while, it's all part of something I'm doing. Or, you know what I mean? Other possibilities behind his character. I do know his character took a lot of flack. And if it's because we only got to see two parts and we didn't get to see a chance the third, then yeah, it's like a two-sided triangle. It's just not going to stand up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You need that third leg or of course you're just like, uh, it's incomplete. And yeah. that would also encourage me. Plus, I, I like the fact that it's someone like Joel Kinnaman. I, I've been a big fan of this guy since The Killing. And, yeah, um, same, me too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Wasn't he yeah. so great as like this too tall, almost vanilla ice slash Eminem, not really recovering guy? Like he yeah. was just, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I really love his, uh, you know, awareness of just like, hey, if I have an opportunity to seize that momentum that's going on around me right now and answer your questions and also say, I think there's a reason why people deserve to see it. And it's not only because of the director, it's because of the characters in the story. I want to see it now too. And on top of what we were just talking about, we know there's a Justice League connection. What would that have looked like completed? What would that have been like to see that threaded? And even if it's not supposed to be an entire DC connected universe, this is a connection within it. You know what I mean? Like a circle within yeah. a circle or a ring within a ring. It's just a great layer. And we know about the multiverse that there's so many different layers. So, yeah, I would love to see this connected thing complete, see what it actually was trying to tell us. 
And uh, I, I do love the fact that there was something Kinnaman said that was pretty awesome. He's like, uh, I think it all comes down to the compromise, right? <laughs> There's always going to be compromises as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Bigger the budget, the bigger the compromise. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a really insightful thing. And I thought it was helpful that someone with his sort of reputation is willing to put it on the line a bit and also call the industry for what it is. You know, we complain about comics at certain times for how the industry does certain things. We're now aware of the fact that the movie industry does the same things, but it, it takes voices who are willing to speak out and have enough uh, recognition that they're going to be listened to. So, yeah. I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. That wraps up our movie news. Uh, any final thoughts? Because we were just talking about so much Justice League, Dark Side, Suicide Squad. Anything you want to you know, touch on? I, 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 I would just say that I hope that Warner Brothers has kind of learned a lesson over, over meddling in, at least in the DC films, because it seems to... It seems like both with Suicide Squad and Justice League and going as far back as, you know, Dawn of Justice, uh, it seems like um, had they not meddled, things would have turned out a little different. So, you know, uh, let's, you know, let's see. Let, let's see what happens. But, um, you, you know, with with the with the idea of uh, the streaming service with HBO Max having this really cool uh, platform for them to release this stuff on, it's you know, it, it's I, I hope they continue to take those chances though too, and and release things like the Snyder Cut. Yeah, I feel like also you know there was a recognition that one of the reasons Snyder Cut made so much sense to put together is because it so much of it was already done that to complete the production process would require, you know, only X amount. Whereas other projects that want to get started still have to get started, get into the middle, get into the end. And with everything going on with COVID-19 and so many different changes to what's possible and when it's possible, it, it's kind of wild that, you know, it wouldn't be put under the same consideration. You've got most of the shop material. What would it take to get everybody together make a couple of, you know, uh, days work that finishes those shots and put together this completed project. I, I would think budget wise, at some point, it would be a no brainer. And, and like you said, they've got the platform that allows them to take a bigger risk than you would expect with the movies. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's interesting. So I'm curious to see how it continues to play. I, I appreciate you mentioning that, you know, this isn't a story that's quite done. In fact, it, it could still be, you know, and Justice League was kind of a, a an interesting um, situation in that Zack Snyder didn't step away from the movie because he wanted to. It's there was you know it was he was dealing with a tragedy and, and didn't have a choice. Right. So this is kind of like you know you finally get your chance. You didn't you know you there were these bad circumstances, but now here you go. Agreed. Agreed. And also, who else was impacted by that? You know what I mean? Because Justice League wasn't done the way that Snyder intended, then Ayer's movie gets affected as well. So, you know, it's almost like an opportunity for both of them to, you know, say, hey, outside forces, things out of your control changed what was possible at the moment. That's no longer a factor. Let's consider what is possible. Right. I mean, yep. you know, there's what you can do when you can only do certain things. There's what you can do when you have more options. So, um Great points, man. I'm curious to hear if anyone else agrees and if they disagree, 
hey, man, we're here. We want to talk to you. We'd love to hear what you had to say. Listen to the end. We leave you all the ways possible. But that wraps up our movie section. We're going to go ahead and shift gears, move into our TV streaming news. Then we've got a break and some comic books and other on the way. TV and streaming news. Well, so we were just talking about the fact that so many things from the outside can be a factor in whether or not something we want to get done can actually occur. And one of the biggest challenges we've had with scheduling this year has been the effects of the pandemic. And it appears that both Superman and Lois are dealing with it in one way, while Flash is dealing with it in another manner. The uh, Superman and Lois premiere is set now to expand. The Flash is currently delaying its premiere. Different ways of uh, how it's impacting different shows. Brad, what was your take on these two different sides of the coin as far as announcements? So I think that maybe there is something to the Superman Lois series that they know that they've got something pretty, uh, pretty special on their hands. That's why they kind of extended it to be an hour and a half. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's kind of a shame that those other shows that got, you know, got delayed, but, uh, I have to say, I wasn't going to put this on my DVR, but I think now that, uh, it's kind of an extended and they're having that little special afterwards. I think it is definitely going to be something that I'm going to, uh, to put on the DVR, uh, for sure. Now, what about you? I'm more intrigued now because I, I got a little bit worried when we saw that uh, that first trailer for uh, Superman and Lois. It it I don't know. It seemed like it was trying to do a lot and then also at the same time focus very narrowly on one sort of aspect of the story. This seems to call in uh, to mind also that being who Superman is, moving back to Smallville is also going to mean threats on the horizon, enemies and things like that. So I like the concept that's put into play. I do think that they really hit on something, like you said, by having this additional, um, what is it called now? Legacy of Hope, a 30-minute special that's going to feature previews as well as special guests talking about the legacy. I'm curious to see who that might be because that could always be fun. You know, you can get some cool uh, comic book uh, you know, personalities, writers or artists coming in to talk about it. Um, and then I'm not too surprised with everything that's going on with the flash. Um, you know, it makes sense that you would want to make a, a bigger deal out of a new show launching flash has a, a pretty loyal audience. Um, so overall it, it felt like, uh, also an important thing for a new show that needs to establish its audience. It feels like the first episode might do a good job, but also that additional 30 minutes might be a great way to bring people on. And how many people love those, yeah. uh, you know, additional features, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's funny how Superman is a character that always seems to need to prove himself when it's a live action version. Uh, it, it's his level of power <laughs> and everything <laughs> that he can do. It's 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 to a point in the modern world where uh it comes across as being like he's almost too powerful. Uh, it's um, like it, not that he lost relevance, but people like their characters a little more damaged, you know, and 
like so every time the superman comes out it has to be really good or people lose lose interest or so it's it's like finding those those ways to make the character really relevant for the moment aren't always the easiest thing to do so it's going to be interesting to see how you know this this show pulls it off smallville did it by turning him into a teenager and making it you know the at least the first few seasons like a monster of the week kind of show right and uh, and i will say that the the trailer <laughs> despite me saying that i'm going to put it on my dvr the trailer didn't necessarily spark anything in me to go yes that's that's why i'm watching it it's more like the whole the whole feel of the thing and and um you know, and the idea, like you said, of that that thirty minute special, and I do, I, I just like you, I wonder who's going to be who's going to be in it. Yeah, I'm intrigued overall because I I feel like there there's a you know there is a concern when you're trying to portray such a like omni level powerful figure like Superman on a little screen, you know, and also how do you how do you even like address that in a budget thing? I I think you're uh, pointing some great history with Smallville. Did a really nice job of, you know, starting him out as a teenager, dealing with the uh, the emotions that come with, you know, being in high school, and also, you know, the uh, the, the really interesting, tenuous but never uh, requited love interest with Lana, which is, you know, it's so much a part of Superman's history, but you could put it into a high school setting and for a TV show with monsters and secret identity and growing up and keeping secrets and all that stuff. It, it was a really great platform. It also reminds me of, I was really intrigued by when Lois and Clark first came out in the nineties because it showed Superman using his powers in fun ways. You know, it was one of the first times I saw, you know, him portrayed like typing extra fast and needing to like cool off his keyboard cause it's smoking or uh, doing other little cute ways of using his powers that, you know, it was like a, uh, the first time I saw it in the comics where Superman shaved with his uh, laser vision, you know, it's like, oh, I'll just do a quick little trim here. You know, stuff like that where you think, wow, OK, now you've done something better, which is you're not trying to capture the giant scale. You're instead trying to bring it down to a smaller idea, which works better for television. But then also uh, it, it takes away from this like, you know, galactic level power set that that Superman has. Uh, I also agree that the trailer didn't like make me like fawn over it, but it did add another component. I felt like the first trailer we saw was more of like a, I don't know, it's all about love and family. And this one was about change is hard and you never know what the next danger is around the corner kind of approach. So I felt like that filled in the story a little bit more for me, but I, I think it's a smart move by having this extra 30 minutes. Um, and, and I kind of felt like overall, uh, this has been part of a process where they're introducing us to the character, listening to what we say, and then trying to show us pieces that may answer the questions so we have less of a reason to not tune in. You know, I'm curious to see what the uh, response from others will be. I'm curious to see myself. Uh, the trailer didn't hook me in, but the extra 30 minutes and maybe a sense of what the season could hold could really open up some possibilities. I'm also going to say that I was on the fence about Supergirl. In fact, the first maybe two or three episodes, I was like, well, maybe. And then I really got hooked. At some point, there was enough uh, component for me. So that could always happen. I don't know what we'll be saying in a few weeks, but I'm curious to hear what that will be like and what our feedback's going to be. And along the way, it's not the only television streaming news topic we have to talk about. 
we also have an announcement that a show I've really enjoyed now and also had some you know questions about early on and now I'm just like happily looking forward to every episode and season I'm talking about Titans the fact that season three is coming and our headline for this uh, topic story is that Savannah Welch has been cast as Barbara Gordon what was your take on this Brett? Uh Getting it out of the way right out of the gate is I'm not familiar with um, any of her work before this, but, you know, always congratulations when they get a, a big high profile role like this. But I, I, I'm very intrigued about this about this version of Barbara that we're going to get because it says that it's going to be kind of more of an oracle where she's already in the wheelchair and you know, and she's going to deal with Dick Grayson coming back, a former love interest. And that's I think that's going to be uh, very interesting for her character. And I'm kind of wondering if we'll get flashbacks of her as Batgirl and um, and even if we get hints of the Joker in some way to show how she got how she is. So uh, this is this is making me excited for season three. Uh, what about you? Man, for all the reasons you just said and more, I mean, one, we get to see uh, a version of Barbara that, I mean, some people say some of, you know, the best stories they have read were of Barbara Gordon as Oracle, uh, showing just how brilliant she is, no matter what uh, her physical capabilities might be after the experience with the Joker. And I like the idea of her playing the uh, city police commissioner. it's something that's been suggested in things like I want to say it was either Batman Beyond or others. Um, and in that concept, we've maybe I feel like there was another storyline, too, in which it was suggested that she was a commissioner. And I love the concept of that because it, it follows so much in the footsteps of her father. Um, it also reminds me of all those great examples they always talk about, about sons and daughters becoming their parents. Uh, no matter what they try and be at certain points, sometimes they come back around. Um, and then I also love what you brought up, which is so great. The idea that she's got this really great chemistry, romantic history with Dick. Um, the chance we could see some flashbacks of her as Batgirl. Um, the chance to also maybe get a sense of this history we keep learning about with the Titans. We've, we've arrived with them from season one at a certain point in time. But events occurred before that. And along the way, we've had the chance to learn how different characters that we've loved from the comics were part of the story and now exist uh, in a different way than we might have seen them before. But also showing us that there's a lot of history uh, with the Titans and also that is continuing to be revealed. So I think this is just a great layer to include. I'm not also familiar with the, uh, the actor who's been cast. Uh, I have heard of the History Channel 6 or Series 6. I'm not familiar with uh, Boyhood or Tree of Life, but I do love when an actor gets a chance to come on and take a character who hasn't been portrayed on screen very often and really own it and potentially make it um, signifying, seminal. (laughs) You pick the word for me. All I can say is uh, it's a great TV and streaming news story that is right before our last one which is the revelation, and I know one of our co-hosts would love to be here to talk about it, the revelation that Batman the Animated Series is gearing up for a revival. What would you think about this, Brad? Uh, I think it's got great potential. 
uh, you know, uh, it's still pretty much a rumor at this point, even though it came from Kevin Smith, who says he says he has a very reliable source. So we'll see. You uh, saying we can't you know, trust Kevin Smith? <laughs> well, well, we, well, I think we can trust Kevin Smith, but the, you know, I think a lot has to happen before they he gets an you know he gets a source and then it's made public knowledge. I think uh, I don't know if we're quite there, and, and a lot of things can happen you know, between those, you know, the initial planning and then the announcement. So hopefully, but it, it does, it does make sense because, you know, they, they, there is a big kind of nineties nostalgia thing going on. Uh, they brought back Animaniacs and they brought back, um, uh, tiny tunes. So, and I kind of always associated those three, uh, you know, Batman animated series, Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, with kind of what was on TV when I would get home from high school. You know, uh, flip through and, and they would be on. So if they're, re, you know, retooling and, and re-releasing that, then I don't see why Batman couldn't be part of that because it is a, it is a very legendary series. For a lot of people, Batman the animated series is what got them into Batman. It wasn't even the comics. It was the animated series and it gave us iconic characters like harley quinn so i mean it's definitely definitely a legendary show i just hope that if they do you know create more episodes that they can bring back a lot of the creative team that was involved the first time around because that would uh that would be on all's guarantee that it would be just as good so yeah i mean i hope it i hope it uh comes to fruition what do you think yeah the the one thing that stuck with me the most is i'm a big fan of the uh there was a series that was on hbo called newsroom did you ever see that one mm-hmm. yep did, yeah, I'm a big did you watch fan. any of the Sorry, episodes yeah. okay so you you know the episode where they were dealing with the idea of they had a source for that whole mission that they're trying to track down in the final seasons and they were like, you know, they, they realized that both guys had the same source. They just never verified who each other's sources were. So that's the part that caught me about this story, because it's like, I got some secondhand info. And then uh, Smith is like, oh, wait, I've got it from a proven source. And I almost want to pause and go, have you guys asked whether or not you have the same source? Pause. <laughs> right? Because that was the big crux of that yeah. newsroom show. It was like at some yeah. point they both realized they had the same source. And it turns out that source had, you know ulterior motives so that that's a man you and me i swear dude if you ever want to get down on a podcast about aaron sorkin stuff i know what's his name who played uh who played will does his own and i get that he it makes more sense because he was on the show so it would make sense he would host a podcast because he can get all the actors but if you ever want to just sit down and chop dude i would do season by season episode by episode west wing uh west wing sports (laughs) even sports night and i don't even and I don't even like sports, but I love sports night. <laughs> and in fact, as I'm sitting here, I can see my my DVD collection of the entire sports night series. So yeah, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm definitely a Sorkin fan for okay, sure. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll put that on the to do list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that might be another way that we can just, you know, eat up all the time in our lives. Uh, <laughs> with that. Um, you know, Brad and I are going to take advantage of the fact that we know there's a lot going on at DC Comics News, and we want to make sure you know all about it. The great thing is we have this amazing editor named Josh, and right now when we take this ad break, he's going to fill you in on all the cool things going on. 
we've got shows, we've got opportunities. Sometimes there's passcodes for savings on websites and more. And this is the chance for you to get to hear all about it. So here's the way it works. Brad and I step away for a moment. Ad break occurs. You get all the cool info. And then afterwards, we come back because we still got comic book and other. Sound like a plan? Don't worry. I can hear you nodding. So I know you agree with me, which means ad break time. We'll be right back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? 
What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogur. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, nards. I definitely do not fuck that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. (laughs) Off the the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want to. God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you were a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. Content creation. Reviews. Unsolicited advice. And very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. So I'm not trying to make a big deal about it, but I try to be a man of my word, or at least a person of my word. And in doing so, the ads are over. We're here, and you're back. Welcome back to DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. This is episode number 103. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. I'm joined by the amazing Brad Flicky. We've already worked our way through movie, TV, and streaming. If you've been following along, you know all this too. But if you're just tuning in, I don't want you to feel left behind. Because we're about to dive into comic books, the source material, the end all, the be all, the beginning, and eventually the end. And 
leading things off is a really cool story about one of my favorite characters. However, because manners were a big deal growing up, I always make sure that my co-host is the first to give their feedback before I rush on in with more about this. What am I talking about? It's a trailer for a book that we've talked about here on the podcast, a book titled Flashbacks. It's all about science, folks. Brad, what was your take? You know, I think my takeaway is, well, first, um, my Bialik is the perfect person to kind of guest star in the book. <laughs> Such a good choice because she is a scientist. She's an actress. She has nerd cred. So that's the perfect, the perfect, um, the, uh, yeah, the perfect host of the book, I guess, if you will. Uh, it, I think that if, if I had kids, I think this would be a cool book to not only teach your kids about science, but to get them into comics. Like, oh, you like what the Flash does? Here, check out this book. You know, that kind of thing. I think that <laughs> that it's kind of a cool way to cross-pollinate. So I, I hope that there's a lot of parents out there that kind of have that same idea in mind. Uh, what about you? Check out the big brain on Brad. Drop in the science-related stuff. Cross-pollinate. You <laughs> sneaky bugger. This guy's trying to give out knowledge in a podcast, okay? Just be aware of that, folks. That's what you're dealing with here. We're not shy about it. And, yeah, I think all the points you brought up, man. I mean, Maya Bialik, one, she's got nerd cred. Two, she's got a history of acting. Uh, one that goes all the way back to the earliest days of Blossom to more recently, as you pointed out. Um, and as she points out in this trailer, playing a neuroscientist on a hit comedy show that features her as a neuroscientist dating a nerd who's a big comic book aficionado and also taking all of that sort of recognizability or recognition and then saying, let me tell you about some cool stuff I've learned about science. The bonus is, as you pointed out, cross-pollination. Love that. Love that. Uh, and the fact that it's going to hook kids potentially into comics and comic kids into science. But I also think that it was really smart with this trailer. Uh, I think she's got a great voice. I think it cuts through. I think it's very clear, direct and confident. And also that it stages all this information with different characters who make the most sense for them to be paired with. Example, Flash. He's a forensic scientist, so he can walk you through the forensic process, the idea of evidence, the idea of collecting information and, you know, a chain of evidence and also like securing information. So it can't be compromised. Uh, the idea of using Supergirl to tell us about space. Right. Um, yeah. And then. <laughs> yeah, it's not just Flash. You could like there's plenty of these characters, you know, DC characters that are in this book that you can use. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what about Beast Boy? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And Cyborg teaching us stuff like, yeah. you know, you, you almost know they're going to get on their nerves about 95 percent of the time. And then the other five percent is going to actually be the lesson. But <laughs> it's, yeah. it's going to be in there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I don't have kids, but I've got nieces and nephews and I love sharing that. And I've got friends who've got kids. So whenever I hear something like this and I know it matches up with one of them, it's great to know that I can say, hey, they're into this. Let me tell you about this cool thing I heard. And I think they might really like it. And I love that it's, uh, you know, I mean, I've heard it said before, different organizations, they get kids in early, early and teach them the ways. So this is a great opportunity to teach kids the ways, not only about science, but about the great characters that, for me, will always have a connection to this. You know, for me, Barry Allen will always be the police forensic investigator 
who developed superpowers. The guy who always had a scientific mind that was as fast as he moved. Like, it's such a great concept. I love what they're doing with it. I love the story when we first heard about it. And as a huge Flash fan, that's to be expected. But I also love this trailer is setting it up even more so. And hey, what's not to get excited about, right? (laughs) Um, In fact, when it comes to getting excited about, we also have an opportunity to look at a new direction DC has recently taken. And it's returning to with its represent line and title, which will soon be revealing more real life personal storytelling in new chapters. Brad, what do you think about this story? I think this is a really cool idea. Um, I I didn't know that there was a represent issue before this, so I'm going to have to to dig that up. But there is a whole subgenre or whatever you want to call it of these memoir comics, you know, Fun Home and Persepolis and American Splendor, things like that. And from what I can tell, having these underrepresented voices in this, you know, giving them this this platform is a really cool thing. And, you know, these these comics, these are the those memoir comics really do draw the attention of of like book critics and, you know, the 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 comics is literature folks so uh that's there's an uh an opportunity for that as well and um and if people just so you know it's c-span host jesse j holland story so uh based on his experiences on a mississippi farm so yeah i think this could be a really cool really cool thing that i'm looking forward to checking out uh, what about you Really excited. I was really, um, I felt lucky to share one of uh, the first issue of Represent on an episode of the Spinner Rack. Um, it, it, it was really fun for me because it introduced, uh, it introduced this whole uh, approach to storytelling that I think you pointed out is really important, the idea of the personal stories. But also it, it told the story of something that had been in the news uh, about the gentleman who was birdwatching and then he got in the altercation with the lady who didn't have her dog on the leash and then called the police. So that was the story they told in the first issue of Represent. Um, if you get a chance to check oh, it out, really? I highly recommend huh. it. Yeah, miss- it. Oh, weird. It, How did I miss that? Huh. So here's the kicker. Uh, and this is just for you and me. But in, in box, there's a digital first. And it, it falls into that category. Oh, hey, that's why. Because it was. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Okay. So that's probably where you'll find this one, too, whenever it shows up in our in our review list. Uh, there's just a separate category for it. And it took me a minute to find it, too. It's also uh, a digital only right now. So currently, Represent is not being physically published. It's just a digital comic, um, which has some mixed responses. In fact, I didn't even realize it until I went to my comic shop after I'd read the review copy. I was like, hey, can I get a copy of that? And they were like, we don't have it. And then I looked it up and I'm like, it is a digital. Ah, OK, good to know. Um, but yeah, I, I do like that you point out this chapter um, is an autobiographical story for C-SPAN host Jesse J. Holland, and then it's chapter two. And then later in chapters three, four, five, we get Believe You by writer Nadira Jamerson, artist Brittany Williams, My Granny Was a Hero by writer Tara Robert and artist Yancy Labat. And then chapter five, The Lesson, writer artist uh, Dominique, uh, or Dominique uh, Domo Stanton. And I mean, 
I've loved what they've done so far. And I also think you pointed to a great history with Persepolis, with uh, American Splendor. I feel this also goes all the way back to like the Will Eisner stories of the everyman um, and the personal narrative. So I think it's a great history. Uh, if you get a chance to find this story online, you'll also stumble across some really lovely pencils that they threw in. Um, just really pretty stuff. Just uh, great lines, great shadows and texture. It, it looks like it's going to be gorgeous. And I also love the concept they bring in, you know, how it is that something can be part of your family history, but whether or not that actually has to be the only direction for your future. You know, things can be part of your history. They don't have to be the defining part of your present or your future. Sounds like it's going to be really interesting. I, I love what they've done so far. The first issue was gorgeous. Um, take a look, man. I'd love to talk with you more about it. I think it would be awesome. Um, and I hope other people get a chance to now know what Represent is and also that they can find it digitally. Um, but I also feel like it's it's part of this great sort of expanse that we're seeing widening regarding comics and all the different ways that we can bring people in to enjoy and also maybe meet some classic characters along the way. We've got an announcement about a classic character. I'm talking about the one and only Green Lantern and the addition of artist Tom Rainey, who will be joining the title come June. What did you think about this announcement? Uh, it's it's uh, you know, it's cool. I, I really I, I liked his his work in the uh, Future State, um, the the Last Lanterns. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying the Future State Green Lantern stories, so uh, I'm glad that he's coming back. But it's interesting because he was supposed to start with issue, you know, keep going with issue one, but now he's not coming back until issue three. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious why he couldn't do issues one and two. But um, the I, I think that this is just another example of that we're in for some cool stuff post, you know, Future State going forward so um yeah i'd say uh, i welcome him to come aboard what about you yeah i was also curious about you know why it is you know he's not picking up until uh, the third issue and then also it seems like they're gonna keep um artist dexter soy uh as far as the first issue artist and he was also involved in one of the future state titles so i, I get a kick out of the fact that we got to see both of these uh artists putting their work out in future state. I agree with you, man. The future state stuff has been fun and green lantern. I'm just going to say it for anyone who hasn't read it yet. If you remember Gnort, you're not going to recognize Gnort. Just leave it at that. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally Did unexpected. we talk about that on the podcast before we might have, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like Definitely. we referenced it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a really fun take. Uh, we also had some really uh, nice images that went with this story, just showing us some art of Sinestro and Hal Jordan. Um, just an example of some of the work that he did recently for Hero Initiative, a BINC Foundation auction fundraiser. I mean, the, just from that glimpse of his art, uh, you know, clearly he has a great knack for the characters, and I love the portrayal. So can't wait to see more. I'm, I'm intrigued, you know what it is he'll be working on in that that period where those first two issues are being created maybe he's part of a different project because i do know man the demand and all the different projects going on it would make sense that talent's going to get stretched around a bit so curious to see how that plays over um keeping in mind of course that we were just talking about the idea of new talents coming in uh, that's not always limited to things like artists 
writers and creators. We also have the announcement that the Justice League will be part of a crossover with Rooster Teeth's hit RWBY. Brad, what do you think about this story, the announcement, the crossover? Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that they'll do some fun things with it. These these kind of crossovers aren't necessarily my thing. But uh, going back to Flicky Factions, I do like the Justice League designs that uh, that they've shown for this. Um, they're kind of anime-inspired, kind of, you know, youthful. And, um, yeah, it's... It's just interesting what they, you know, you have the basics of what you always know these costumes are going to be, but how they can interpret them in different ways. Like Superman with a jacket, with the cape attached to the jacket, and like a, kind of looks like a black t-shirt with the S on it is kind of interesting. And the tactical looking Batman and the Flash that looks more like, uh, like stuff that you would find in your house, kind of a costume. So yeah, the, the designs are really cool to look at. Um, and, um, I, and I'm sure that there'll, there'll be stuff for fans of both, uh, RWBY and Justice League. So, yeah, um, even though it's not necessarily my cup of tea, I think that fans will definitely enjoy it. What about you? I mean, I agree that it's, it's not something I'm as familiar with. I know that there has been, you know, a lot of interest in the RWBY uh, story. And I, I do know that there has been some success with these crossovers. I, I wasn't really as big into Black Hammer, but I loved uh, the Black Hammer Justice League crossover. It actually got me more into the Black Hammer title. Yeah. Um, and then thus I was able to uh, enjoy all of that. I, I do agree with you, though, that the, uh, the visuals on this, I mean, Man, the the images that you get to see, they are quite cool. Um, I like the approach of Batman. I like the way he's got this uh, kind of kerchief covering the face. Uh, I love the design of uh, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. I also like what you said about Flash. It does look like the kind of stuff like, yeah, you'd, you'd see it kind of. All right, let me cobble together an outfit based on things I can find around the house. <laughs> and, and how does it's that Not in work? a bad way. <laughs> No, not in a bad way at all. It just seems more of like, I think it reminds me of uh, the Batman movie, utilitarian, right? The idea is what are real materials that can be used and how would you then combine them to make a a uniform that could do this? Um, So I like the look. Uh, I'm curious to hear more about, you know, how people are responding to the crossover, what it's like with these characters. And uh, man, if nothing else, if you're curious, Find the story online. Take a look at these images. Apparently, it is also a digital first event book, and it should be available soon. Looks like the uh, images and the announcement were part of DC's April 2021 solicitation, so you can always check those out, too. And that, of course, brings us around to our next comic-related story. And... uh, I'm sure there's plenty of different ways you could set it up, but it's our last story before we move into other. And there's no easy way of saying simply that Aquaman Earth One is reportedly canceled. I've loved the Earth One series, and I know Brad, you've enjoyed them as well. Curious to hear your take on this one. Uh yeah, I'm bummed because they've all been so good. Uh, the you know the Earth One, and I I was kind of looking forward to. Uh, forward to this so i hope that somewhere down the line that this could still happen you know even though 
Francis uh, Manipal is not necessarily working exclusively with DC now. Hopefully he can come back around and we can get this, you know, back back into uh, into production because I would like to see this. The you know they're all I I've said this before is that they all seem like they, they make really good movies. And given that Aquaman we are in like a kind of Aquaman Renaissance with the first movie and the second one coming out. So, uh, you know, I think that this would, it's almost a shame because it would be a good time to release it. The character's never been more popular. So it's, it's a shame. I was looking forward to it. Uh, what about you? You know, probably the best way to sum it up. It is a shame. It's, it's really disappointing to hear because you know that there's been such a resurgence for the character as far as his portrayal in film. Uh, you totally keyed into something, which is we've talked about it before. These Earth One titles seem like they're tailor made to be redone as a cinematic project of some kind. Miniseries, movie, you name it. They've just got a great cinematic quality to them. So this would have been a perfect match, especially with, you know, new Aquaman uh, films on the horizon, new projects um, and the opportunity to introduce the fan or introduce the character to more fans, maybe new fans. But I'm also intrigued by the fact that it seems to be pointing to a number of different factors. 5G got messed up. Francis Manipal was no longer exclusively with DC. There hasn't been any development. It just seemed like this is something that fell through the cracks. And that doesn't mean the end. It, it could at some point get picked up. But right now, it definitely seems to be part of the reason why it's not moving forward. So that's like the most I can take from it, because I feel like anything else, I'm just, you know, trying to read tea libs or chicken bones or something like that so you know what i mean like yeah. you know there's there's a part of it where you're like sure i could keep guessing and hoping and making things up or i could just trust what i know right now and wait to learn more and maybe i'm just getting older maybe this is maturity oh god i said the m word all right before that gets any crazier <laughs> and brad starts laughing at me outright so just chuckling in the background um, i'm gonna move things from comics into our other we've got two stories and leading off the first is todd mcfarlane has brought viewers readers inside his new batman design and maybe given some insight into his dc partnership and the future, 2021, 2022, those amazing toys. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Brad, what did you think about the story? Uh, it seems like a, it's such a match made in heaven, McFarlane toys and, and um, DC. And the idea, it's such a cool concept, too, that they can give, like, let him design, have his own take on designing these characters because he comes from, uh, comics background, a comics artist background, and he's ha he has drawn you know Batman before, so he kind of knows the in and outs of these characters. So it, it's it's a very cool and a thing that we haven't seen before is giving like a toy maker room to design these characters. And again, I go back to what I just said, where it's cool to see different takes on certain traditional aspects of, of of a costume and the detailing once again the detailing on this is just incredible so i'm really looking forward to seeing what comes from 
McFarland toys in the next couple of years. I may not collect toys, but I still love looking at them and kind of following the news about them and what's going on. So I think it's it's collectors are just going to go insane for this. Uh, what do you think? Collectors will go insane. I'm not saying that they were sane before. I'm not saying that they're insane now. I'm simply saying <laughs> that they will go mad for it. And Brad, you brought up something really lovely in the idea of like what a confidence it is to put their trust in a toy line creator to come up with something completely original and not have it be based on uh, an outside product, you know, whether it be movies or comics or something else. And man, the detail on this, uh, I almost want to call it a toy. I almost want to call it fine art. I don't know which is better because um, it looks like just like exquisite fine art. I'm looking at it now. The uh, the lines on the face, the, the way that the material stretches across the stomach in a way that reveals yeah. that there's muscle there. But it's not the, you know, 12 pack with the perfectly symmetric lines, <laughs> yeah, right. it feels like it's real. It almost looks like the wind's blowing against it more. It's just the way the material stretched out. It feels like the material is almost secondary, right? Like the, uh, the physique and uh, just a powerful figure. Um, I love that, of course, there has to be at least one leg strap thing with a, a buckle and a <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just because it reminds me of how like everything I think about with Todd McFarlane in the 90s comics was like, what are you talking about? Why is there not a thigh holster? Always put a thigh band or a thigh holster. It's just what. <laughs> and the pouches. But, Don't forget the pouches. God, the pouches. He does. This Batman has pouches. Um, but I also love like some of the throwing implements look more like daggerish than just like a stylized bat symbol. Um, and they, they feel a little bit more utilitarian. And uh, the gauntlets that he's wearing, the glove yeah. gauntlets, man, those spikes look... Yeah, I was just going to say, those silver spikes look badass. <laughs> they do look like something that the Batman Who Laughs would definitely yeah. like be like, nicely yeah. done. Um, and Brad, man, you said Flicky Fashions like four times on this episode. <laughs> I swear to God, folks, if you haven't yet, you need to listen to the end of this episode when this guy gives his Twitter address. And what he does, you need to hound him mercilessly. Because when he launches Flicky Fashions as a podcast here on DC Comics News Podcast Network, you're going to be so thankful. And not to me or anyone else who bugged him to do this, but for what he's going to tell you. Because the man knows fashion from a nice <laughs> pair of pants all the way down the line. Okay? Uh, and, and this is a great example of many that you've mentioned throughout this episode. So I'm just going to say that. Like, do it. Do it to it. Let me know when you want. I'll happily appear on any episode you want to talk about anybody, especially, though, Alan Scott. you got to have me on for that. Um, yeah, well, but absolutely. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love this Batman take. I love the fact that maybe we can see more original toys from Todd McFarlane featuring uh, DC characters, Batman, and maybe others. Could you imagine what a Superman or Wonder Woman could look like? Just yeah, yeah. maybe. So... I thought that was huge, and I think it's a great way for us to lead into our final story, which is the more things change, the more we get to enjoy. Uh, DC Universe has now become DC Universe Infinite. Uh, different approach to the platform, less of the streaming content that has moved over to HBO Max. What was your take on this announcement and what it means for DC, Brad? Uh, yeah, I... I overall i like what they have included um 
you know, I'm, I'm excited that the whole Ex Machina run is going to be part of it. Uh, Preacher, of course. Uh, Lucifer is going to be nice to have. Be for Vendetta. And I like that they're mixing it that in with some of the newer uh, stuff like the Hill House comics and the um, the Milestone and the, um, uh, you know, some of the Black Label stuff. Uh, but there's a few things missing here that I really would love to see them bring on board that would almost really make make it worth it for me and that would be bringing the sandman series to it um mm. watchmen uh and alan moore swamp thing if that was there that would just be that would be absolutely incredible uh but i think that this does have a lot to offer readers and from different time periods so yeah um it's it, it's gonna be a cool way to to you know because i you know i i haven't really read a lot of the milestone stuff because it came out when just at a period when I wasn't collecting. So it's cool that I can go there, you know, have that resource to check those out. But yeah, I think they really need to get Sandman and Watchmen and Swamp Thing on there. What about you? Well, now I'm curious because um, I do know that they've had, you know, like they have the first Len Wine uh, Swamp Thing issues on there. And I thought they had the uh, Alan Moore Swamp Thing. I'm now going to want to double check. See, see, yeah, double check is I'm just going by this new story on what, you know, what um, maybe it's just a matter of that's what's coming. That's not there now. Um, that is. I think yeah. it really is, because there's yeah. a lot of material that's on there that people would be surprised by. Like, you know, uh, I've gone back and read the old Omega Men and some other series that, you know, are far. I read The New Gods recently um, yeah. and started that one right from the beginning with the first Jack Kirby one. So they've got a lot of that stuff. And I started with the Len one and I wanted to because I wanted to sort of like experience the dynamic shift between Len's work and then moving into Alan Moore's. And I wanted to make that thread. Uh, and the reason I did so is because I was pretty sure I saw that they have Alan Moore Swamp Thing on there, too. Yeah. So I, I am. Yeah, because yeah, I wasn't sure how that was going to work, if they had to like kind of start from scratch or if they could keep, you know, so that's 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 good to know. Yeah. The other thing that I think is uh, is huge is that you pointed out something great, which is um, the short turnaround time. The fact that they're going to have more of the more recent titles. Period. It was almost like a six to eight month delay from when something would get public or published physically before it would appear on DC universe. And now not only do you have that, but then the milestone, dude, you got to read hardware, you got to read hardware and then get back to me. Um, yeah, that was yeah. one of the first ones that like hooked me. In fact, I'll never forget. They, they, they gave you a playing card in the sealed bag. And I remember reading the editor's note and he's like, are you still holding on to that card? Wait, is this your second issue and you didn't open the back? Dude, you got to take out the card. You got to put it in the spokes of your bicycle and ride around and make that clacking noise. <laughs> like, I, I love the uh, the humor and the personality, but uh, also the concept of the characters. Uh, that one, Icon, for me, was a huge, like, it took Superman and just flipped him on his head for me. So, yeah, I love that people now get a chance to experience that. I love that they're going to get a chance to read the Joe Hill line because there were so many great titles that came out of that that... I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, people will get to experience now. And to me, it looks like overall they, they've added more to it. Uh, hopefully that doesn't mean they took away anything because the stuff they had on there was a pretty good collection, too. Um, I'm more curious to see what it is that, you know, they can do now 
if they don't have all of the streaming movie television stuff on there. You know what I mean? Like, what else can you do with the platform beyond showing us uh, an unlimited catalog of DC Comics? Because, I don't know, I feel like there's other things that well, we don't think the, about them until they mention them. I'm sorry. What yeah, was well, I was thinking, like, you know, that there was that um, kind of fad of motion comics, like, right. in the mid-2000s, so bringing some <laughs> of those would be cool. Um, speaking of the Watchmen, they had a Watchmen motion comic, and I think, I think there were a few others, so that kind of stuff, that might be the perfect kind of, uh, you know, venue to experience those in. I think so, too. In fact, the one thing I think I would really like to see them do is show us why it is they had to split everything up, you know, because that was one of the big things was like, oh, you know, we need one just for comics and we need one just for streaming stuff. And for some reason, the two shared, you know, on one platform wasn't working. I get that they needed to make this decision. I'm just looking forward to seeing more like I would also love to see stuff connected to the different points options that they originally offered and the prizes you could collect from reading and doing things like that. Mm-hmm. If they brought some of that back and offered some of the prizes or some of the community aspects, um, I think that would be a huge thing, too. So I'd like to see them engage us a little bit more like, you know, uh, they used to have DC Daily. This seems like something yeah. they could still produce on here and it wouldn't compete yeah. with HBO's content. You know, things like that where you could maybe even have like, you know, podcasts or different programming that they can offer on here that I'm not sure. But I, I do think that the, the one thing that sticks with me the most is we know you had to make the choice for reasons. We want to see that those reasons are more than just two different packages we have to pay for. Like do something more with this digital comics platform because it's there. And we know that there's more possible. We just need to see it through your eyes. And that's that's probably my biggest takeaway. I'm glad all these new titles are being added. I'm glad there's less of a delay time from published titles uh, being printed physically to appearing on here. And now I would just like to see them show us just how much more they can take advantage of, a, you know, a base that really wants DC to thrive. And I think this platform can do it. I, I just want to see them use more of it and hopefully consider the things like you've suggested the motion comics and other options and and really make it a place that fans are going to be visiting and also the community part that's probably the other component i would like to see them address because i felt they did a good job with the first dc universe so don't don't give up keep it going community (laughs) yeah i think if they if they really want to make it stand out uh and it's something that's going to get people talking it would be to focus on that community aspect because that i think that is some that could make it really shine if they really focus on that and yeah. make that a priority it's pretty amazing to me on a couple of occasions I'll, I'll visit different platforms and i'll discover these groups that are like huge dc fans like mm-hmm. uh someone told me they were like dude you gotta check out the tumblr one i was like say again they were like, you got to see what DC fans like. There's this huge group of DC fans like, you know, junior high, high school, you know, who are posting like their own art, their own drawings, like all this amazing stuff. And it's like, wow, this is a fan base I don't remember existing 10 or 15 years ago. Do you know what I mean? And in different yeah. platforms where I really feel like they could have some growth. And I would love for there to be some options where I could point to my nieces and nephews and their parents and say, hey, there's this cool digital platform. And I think there's some great options for kids on there, too. So, yeah. yeah, I would just like to see them take full advantage of the platform, like really show us just what's capable, what's possible. And really, I think, you you know, you, you nailed it, you know, build that community 
and you're going to stand out in ways that other platforms for comics simply can't compete. So that would be a huge thing. Um, and that's it. That's our last story, whether it be movie, streaming, comics, or other. Brings us to an end. Final thoughts on anything we talked about, Brad, before we go ahead and do that wrap-up? Uh, no, I think we uh, I think we covered a we lot. We did good? All right. Yeah. I got the validation. We did good. I'm feeling good. You should feel good. This has been DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, episode number 103. I've been lucky enough to be your host for this, but I know I'm lucky because I've been hanging out the whole time with an amazing guy named Brad Flicky. He said some really important things today. You might want to hear more about them. Brad, if the people want to follow up with you, especially about <clears throat> Flicky Fashions, <laughs> then uh, how can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. You can find me uh, writing news reviews uh, DC Comics News. You can also find me on the Mad Love uh, Harley Quinn podcast, also part of the DC Comics News podcast network. Uh, where can people find you, Seth? You can also find me on Twitter. I'm one more singleton. You can find me on Instagram as Seth the Writer or my dogs, Bruno and Fiji. Just ask Steve. He thinks they're adorable. Others do, too. Uh, <laughs> You can also find me writing reviews for DC Comics News. You can find me hosting the Spinner Rack uh, once a week, my top five picks. And you can find me hanging out with Brad and the whole gang on the weekly podcast on Mad Love. In fact, that gives me a chance to let you know that if you haven't yet, please subscribe to DC Comics News Podcast Network. When you do, you'll get brand new episodes in your feed from the weekly podcast, all the movie, television, streaming, comics, and other news you could hope to digest hosted by yours truly, Brad, Kelly, Kendra, Steve, whoever we got on, whatever we got on, we're going to try and bring it all to you. You also get uh, the Spinner Rack episode or uh, top five pick from me week by week. You get the episode by episode breakdown of two shows, Batman the Animated Series, I Am the Night, hosted by Steve J. Ray. You also get Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast where we talk a little bit dirtier about a mildly dirty show from DC Universe now on HBO Max. You also get the chance to experience great new upcoming content like <clears throat> Flicky Fashions, soon to be coming your way, as well as other great content we have in store. Uh, you can catch all of that just by hitting the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. We're on all the big ones like Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google, all the biggies, and also on so many other platforms around. Whatever one you're listening to, just hit subscribe, and then you're guaranteed. You'll get it all. You'll maybe know it all. And then, who knows, maybe you'll get to be it all. Along the way, we also want to make sure that if you have something you want to let us know about, you can find us out there on places like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, and YouTube. All you need is the at symbol in DC Comics News. That's the at symbol and capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. If you use that tag you'll let us know directly the entire dc comics news gang whatever you're thinking what you like what you don't questions send us messages however you want to do it and you'll know where to find all of our content by using that at symbol for example on youtube right now dc and after dark hosted by our very own miss kelly Gaines. she's up to like four episodes now and if you go ahead and type in that dc comics news tag you not only find those but ways you can send messages to the whole gang about that and all the other content we have to offer Please, let us know what you're thinking. Like we said, we asked a lot of questions this episode. We'd love to hear your answers, your thoughts, your questions. And with that, we really just want to say, 
Thanks for listening. Can't wait to join you next time. We have so much more for us to talk about. And in the meantime, we always have this reminder we'd like you to consider, and that is to always read more comics. Comics. Hey, that was pretty good, folks. We're always proud when we get pretty close to right. Thanks for laughing along with us, Bradford. Thanks for laughing along with me, man. Uh, always great to hang out with you. Can't wait to do it again next time around. Bye, everybody.